Tonight we're going to be talking about everyone's favorite topic, and that is humility, right? And not pridefulness. So uh, that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. And uh, I got some questions for you, and these are, these are my questions. Is Would you say that you want to be a better friend would you say that you want to be a better uh, coworker, a better roommate, a better leader, um, a better uh, future spouse, or maybe a current spouse, boyfriend, girlfriend? Maybe you want to be, most importantly, you want to honor God in the way that you live your life. Well, tonight, what we are talking about and talking about humility, this is literally one of the most important things that you can understand and apply to your life from Scripture. I truly believe that. And so that's what we're going to be talking about tonight. And in the book of Philippians, if you didn't know, this is written by a man named Paul. Paul wrote most of the New Testament. So a lot of what you find in the New Testament in your Bible was written by this man named Paul, who was once a persecutor of the church, killing Christians, then converted into the greatest, arguably, Christian missionary of all time. And so he is writing what is really a letter of encouragement to the church at Philippi. Much like we're gathered as a people in this room tonight, he's writing to a group of believers in Philippi. And the words that he wrote, they're not just ancient and archaic, but they're actually living and active and still speak to us today in 2022, almost 2023, if you can believe that. And so that's what we're gonna be diving into tonight. I wanna go ahead and read the text um, with y'all. And it goes like this. It says, uh, do nothing, from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each one of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. And so before we go any further, I do want to let you know, if you have the YouVersion Bible app on your phone, you can grab that, you can get on there. And if you click the more tab, you can go to events and actually follow along with us in our sermon notes uh, tonight. And what we just read really is, if you really think about it, right, and you really think about this society and the world that we live in, this is completely countercultural. I mean, we live in the society of self. I mean, when you look at social media, what are you supposed to post on there about yourself, right? And um, we talk so much more about ourselves probably in 2022 than we ever have before, especially in Western culture, especially in a culture where we have so many of our needs met and things because of technology have advanced faster. We're able to focus on ourselves more. And yet, even though we're able to focus on ourselves more, we know that anxiety has increased, depression has increased, mental illness seems to be rampant, there's struggles that are still existing. And I know this from whenever I taught, I spent seven years in public education, that as I saw the generations coming up, I saw that they were plagued with some of these things because when you hear a third grader start talking about, well, I don't like that person because they have more followers than I do. And you start to see like this kind of twisted culture that we have. And so what we just read is very, very countercultural. And even though it's countercultural, that doesn't make it not true. And I believe that as we apply this to our lives, it actually has the ability to completely transform us and change us. 
And so I want to go through verses 3, 4, and 5. And uh, 5 is honestly the most important verse, and we're going to get to that. Um, but 3 and 4, we're going to unpack this and, and look at what does it mean to do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit? And so if you're like me, when you first read that, it's like, what does selfish ambition mean? What is that talking about, right? And selfish ambition is really this. It's putting your interests before the interests of anybody else, right? It's putting yourself first. That's what selfish ambition is. And I think we have to be cautious. It can be very easy to be like, "Ah, I'm doing pretty good there. But I would argue this, that myself included, this is why I know this, that most of us are probably more selfish than we even realize. That if we really take a a step back and we look at our day-to-day thinking, here's the deal, y'all, whenever you get up here and speak, right, this this is working on me before it gets to you. And as I look and I evaluate my life, I'm like, man, how much of my life is characterized by selfish ambition? Paul doesn't say don't do most things out of selfish ambition. He says do nothing, not a thing, nothing out of selfish ambition. So how, what, okay, so why are we not supposed to do that? When I look at selfish ambition and putting ourselves first, putting ourselves first, this can seem like a good thing, right? But when we're always focused on self and we want to be in first place and we want to be at the forefront, that creates a problem. And sometimes I see this through my children. I have a daughter, Nova, who's four years old right now. And uh, we just had her parent-teacher conference last week. And not to our surprise, my wife and I's surprise, is that her teacher told us she struggles a little bit with uh, lining up because she always wants to be a line leader. She will straight up throat punch my son Cash to be first in the van, right? I've seen her back there in Kid Street. She's at, up in church knocking folks over to get to the front of the line in Kid Street. And I'm like, girl, you, you don't always have to be first, right? But in her mind, she wants to be first all of the time. She wants to put her interests, her needs, or, or her wants, her desires before everybody else. She's got this selfish ambition inside of her. And that's easy to spot in a child. But I think sometimes as we get older and we're adults, it's a little bit easier to mask and sometimes we think like, man, I, I might not be like that. Or maybe you're like, hey, that's kind of a little bit of a problem with that. But when you really like peel back the curtain, we start to see that, man, when, we, when we're selfish and we have a desire to put ourselves forward, it creates a problem. What about, what about conceit, right? Selfish ambition and conceit. When we really look at what is conceit. This isn't a word that we use all the time in our present day culture. At least I don't hear it that much in my day to day. But really what conceit is talking about here is this vain glory or an empty glory that you're pursuing something that is worthless, that's empty, that's elevating yourself. And you know, you think about when you're a kid, you have these dreams of like, I don't know, I kind of mentioned a couple weeks ago, I always thought like, man, I had these athletic dreams. I figured you would laugh at that because you can see me, right? You know what I'm saying? I'm I'm not exactly LeBron James up here, but uh, I have these like dreams of glory, right? And you have these things. But uh, when we really start to think about like, what is our motivation at the core of who we are? What is our motivation in life? Is it for our own glory? Are we doing things for our glory? Are we doing things for the glory 
of God. Paul is speaking to the Philippians here because there were people that were jealous, that were literally preaching the gospel out of rivalry, out of trying to be better than Paul was, a greater apostle than Paul was. And Paul's like, hey, you're missing the point altogether. The goal of our church, the goal of church is that we're unified. This is what Paul's saying. And he's saying, if you have selfish ambition and conceit in your life, you're, you're missing the mark. And this conceit, this vain glory, right, or this empty glory, I think we have to be careful because it's so easy in life to chase things that are completely and totally empty. You know, a couple weeks ago, um, I saw this video of uh, Jake Paul, and I don't know if you all know who he is. He's a YouTuber and and supposedly a boxer. I don't know. The jury's still out on that. I'm not sure. Um, but Jake Paul, like I watched this interview that he was doing before one of his fights, and I, I don't really know much about him at all, but I watched this, someone was interviewing him, and they're asking him these questions about how much his outfit costs, right? And he's showing him his watch and how many thousands of dollars it was and his pants and his jacket and his chains and all this stuff. And what I see is that hundreds of thousands of people have viewed this, liked this across platforms, TikTok, Instagram. And I'm sitting there and I'm thinking like, man, people are liking this because this is what people think is going to bring them happiness in life this pursuit of fame and followers and subscribers and money and status and being able to do whatever you want and go wherever you want to go. And this empty pursuit is what people are putting in the number one spot in their lives. And a lot of what culture tells us, even if it's subliminal, is pursue yourself at all costs. But Paul, here in God's word, he says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but what? In humility, count others as more significant than yourselves. And so as we see this verse here, really what you have is you have a negative and you have a positive, right? Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit. And then the positive is count others as more significant than yourselves. And this word humility kind of serves as the bridge between the two. And so we got to ask ourselves, what is humility? Well, verses 3 and 4 really define what humility is for us. It really is a uh, kind of a, a status of what does it look like to be and to live a humble life. But when you break down humility, what humility looks like is service. What humility looks like is service and a willingness to serve other people. I'll take that even further, a desire to serve other people. That it's not all about you, but you have an outward focus. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. But that's what humility is. So we have this negative statement. We have this bridge of humility. And then we have this positive statement. That we should consider others uh, as more significant than ourselves. That we should consider others as more significant than ourselves. And so if you're reading that, like, what does that mean? To count someone as more significant than yourself. And I love this kind of uh, picture of it is that to consider someone uh, as more significant is basically to say this, is that they are worthy of being served. How many of y'all have started uh, Christmas music season already? Anybody? Okay. All right. If Mariah Carey walked in here and Mariah Carey was in here, right? 
I think that's like the most all-time played Christmas song ever. Maybe all-time song, I have no idea. But it's very popular. The all I want for Christmas is you, I'll spare you and I won't sing it. Because if Mariah Carey walks in here, and maybe she's the most humble woman on the face of the earth, I have no idea. If she walked in here, what humility is not is her coming up to me and saying, you're the best at singing all I want for Christmas is you, Logan. You're the, literally the best singer of that ever. Because that wouldn't be true, Right? Mariah Carey owns that song. She sings that song, right? She is good at it, and obviously that shows in how much it's been played. So it wouldn't be real, genuine humility if she came in here and said, Logan, you're the best at singing that song ever, because it wouldn't be true. See, counting someone else as more significant than yourself doesn't mean that you're saying, hey, they're the greatest skill at this ever. Okay, that's not what it's saying. It's not saying, um, you know, that, that, that you're, you're just making these false statements about someone. But it's saying someone and looking at them and saying they are worthy of being served. They are worthy of being served. And we talk about this here uh, with our team all the time. Is we talk about having your God goggles on. Okay? And it's this silly phrase we use to say, see people the way that God sees people. And what does God see in people? He sees that every single person is someone who is created by him on purpose and for a purpose. And when you start to see other people for that, your life is changed. And I think there's a lot of people who are just absolutely miserable in life because they're looking at what everybody else can do for them instead of saying, how can I serve other people? When you count people as more significant than yourselves, what that's meaning is that you find that people, you're willing to serve them and that they deserve your service. And that's a mindset that is countercultural. And honestly, the reason it's countercultural is because it's against our very own nature. That you and I, as sinful and broken people, our natural path. It's towards selfish ambition and conceit. That's where we naturally gravitate towards. But because of what Christ has done, and as we talk about that in verse 5, as we get to it, we see that a life in serving others and a life of humility is something that God has empowered us to and something that he's called us to as well. And in verse 4, as we continue reading, it says, Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of others. See, because here's what happens. When you have a relationship with Christ, what should happen is that you have an outward focus. Because as you grow in love with God, and you have, we talked about this in Philippians chapter 1, verses 7 through 11, I believe is what it was, is that as you grow in knowledge and understanding of God, it always helps you to love people more outwardly. So you should have an outward focus. When we're humble, we have an outward focus. And as we read this, it says, let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. What humility is not, humility is not self-neglect, okay? Humility is not self-neglect. However, oftentimes it does involve self-denial. 
It's not self-neglect. God is not calling you to a life where you're absolutely miserable and you're not taking care of yourself and you're serving everyone else out of an empty tank. That's not what he's calling us to. It says, look, to, not only to your own interests, so there is this idea that we, we should take care of ourselves, but also we should look to the interests of others. And here's the deal. I, I want to be careful on how I say this, but I, I think that as I just prayed through this and um, as I think about this passage, as I look at like what is popular in counseling right now or what the trends are in terms of mental health and in terms of um, kind of looking at your own, uh, I guess, mental makeup, if you will, I think there's a lot of advice out there There's a lot of advice, there's a lot of things being said that you have to put yourself first. Put yourself first and then you'll be happy. And what God is not calling us to, like I said, it's not self-neglect, but sometimes we have to look to other people. God has called us to look to other people. And so the best plan for your mental health is to follow what God's word says in every area, right? But on top of that too, it's looking and applying this to your life and saying, not only am I going to look at my own interests, but also to the interests of other people. That there's this undercurrent, I think, going on in our culture that's saying, no, you have to put yourself first and then you will truly be happy. Your needs, your thoughts, your feelings are the most important thing. But any plan for mental health, any plan for spiritual health and spiritual growth is always going to have an outward focus along with it, right? It's always going to have an outward focus along with it as well. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. And I love it. There's this, um, you know, there's this poem uh, by a guy named Charles D. Meggs who, uh, he he wrote this poem. And I think it kind of summarizes this point really well. And it says this, it says, others, Lord, yes, others. Let this my motto be, help me to live for others that I might live like thee. I want to read that one more time for you. Others, Lord, yes, others, let this my motto be, help me to live for others that I might live like thee. That this kind of bridges us into verse 5. And verse 5 says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. And you might be sitting there and you're thinking like, okay, like I I get that. I'm not supposed to be prideful. I'm supposed to be humble. Uh, uh, You might even know Proverbs 16, 18, that pride pride leads to destruction, right? You might understand those things and be like, okay, I get it. I'm not supposed to be prideful, but why do I still have these struggles with it? Well, what we need is we need the mind of Christ that God makes us a new creation when we enter into a relationship with him. And it's then how we look to the example of Jesus. I think about it this way. This is is like the, the game plan for humility, right? Humility in our lives, like personal humility in your life. What it comes from is understanding the example that Jesus set, living empowered by the Holy Spirit to walk in humility, and demonstrating love towards other people 
because of what Christ has done for us. So we look to the example of Jesus for the ultimate example of humility, the ultimate example of what it looks like to sacrifice. We understand that as a believer, when we accept Christ, we actually have the Holy Spirit enter into our hearts, serving as a guide, a teacher, and a counselor in our lives empowering us to be humble in a way that we cannot do on our own, overcoming that selfish ambition, overcoming that vain conceit, that empty glory that we're seeking, and that we can actually count others more significant than ourselves. It comes from the example of Jesus. We live that out through the power of the Holy Spirit, and we demonstrate that love towards other people in our lives. That's the game plan for humility. And you know, as you look at uh, uh, Philippians chapter 2, when you get to verses 5 through 11, really what you see is the example of Jesus that we're talking about, which we haven't dived into that very much. But kind of this is the most, I mean, I wish we had more time to just break down verses 5 through 11 because it is absolutely beautiful. It's one of my favorite passages because it so clearly shows the sacrifice that Jesus made for us. So we're going to read it together. It says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is, is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And you have some just crazy theological of, uh, important things going on here. You have the hypostatic union. Maybe Jared's going to break this down next week. I don't know. You have substitutionary atonement. But really what you have is you have this beautiful depiction of what Jesus did for us. That he is the ultimate example of humility. God in the flesh here on earth living a perfect and sinless life willingly willingly went to the cross for you and me. And so when I think about some of the things in my life that I don't want to be humble about, I don't want to be corrected, I don't want to be told I was wrong in a situation, I don't want to have to apologize to someone. Are you kidding me? That's not what I want to do. Whatever those forms of pride that come up in our lives It's worth it to be humble when we look to the example of Jesus, knowing that he gave his life for us, for a people who are undeserving, that we have a sin debt. And the reason that God came for us, he sent Jesus to pay that debt in a death that paid our sins in in, in a way that we don't deserve. That's called grace. So when we think about the example of Jesus, it starts to make those things in your life that you don't wanna be humble about a little bit smaller it's like man I've got to suck up my pride here and it forces us to pray like God I need you to empower me with the Holy Spirit to overcome this pride and arrogance in my life you know and I think about this um, you know 
there, there, there's kind of three areas I've been thinking about where I, I've really been humbled or I've seen the need for humility. And whenever I first became a father, it unearthed this selfishness in me that I was not prepared for. As you, you, you know, I know everybody loves the, you know, like, oh, it's a cute newborn and all that. And it's like so precious, but it's like, man, they cry and they wake up all night long. And sometimes I just want to do what I want to do just selfishly at the core. Like I want to have my own schedule. I don't want to have my schedule dictated by my kids. But as my kids have gotten older, I've seen like just God reveal and work in me. Hey, you've got pride in that area. Hey, you've got pride there. And like I've seen that through, through the lens of having my kids. And, you know, I think about all that Christians have done for children. That there's been times in the world where kids were completely devalued and Christ following people have stepped in to fill in the gap for the needs of kids. Because sometimes like kids can't do anything to serve you back, but I think what Christians have understand, that's why Jesus welcomed the little children to come to him and why he told the disciples like, hey, if you wanna enter the kingdom of heaven, you have to be like the least of these. You know, and I think about this too, like what are their areas of people who are maybe marginalized or uh, people that aren't given a fair, uh, not necessarily a fair shake, but people that are in a situation where it's harder for them to serve someone else. And I see that, I've told you all this story before that my grandmother is currently in a skilled care facility or a nursing home. And my grandma doesn't have the ability uh, to move like she once did, right? And I see as I go there and I visit her, I see room, after room, after room of people there who really aren't in a position. They can serve still with their mind and with their words and those things, their life still has meaning and purpose, but I see that they can't serve in the same way. And why does scripture have to paint us and command us a picture of how we are to care for widows and for orphans? Like, why does that have to be a thing that's mentioned in scripture? Because selfishly, it's against our nature to care for those people. And my heart always breaks as I I go and visit my grandma and I think, man, how many people in this home right now never have anybody come and visit them? Because somebody's schedule's too busy. Maybe their family, it's like, we're too busy. It's too far of a drive, whatever it may be. And I think, man, that's why scripture has to paint us a picture of how to walk in humility. Also think about this with the members of the special needs community. You know, and and we uh, here at our church, uh, our senior pastor, Eddie Lyons, has a a son, James, who's kind of in this camp. And I look at the way that he and Miss Cindy just care for James every day and that it's a commitment and it takes sacrifice and effort, but they do it out of an abundance and out of overflowing of love because they care for him. And as a church, one of my favorite events of the year is coming up in February and we do Night to Shine here at High Street. And what Night to Shine is, is we welcome individuals with special needs and we host a prom for them just to get to serve these people. And one of the best parts of that event is that we have a room where the parents of these children can come and they can just be uh, provided dinner and they can be served. These people who are serving their children all the time can just come and kind of get royal treatment. And we get to bring these these kids with special needs and we get to uh, be buddies with them and get to love on them and just provide an awesome night. 
And I look at that, why do we do that? Why does the Tim Tebow Foundation exist? Why do we as a church participate in Night to Shine? It's because it's about serving others. It's not all about us. It's about looking outward and serving other people. And you know, uh, I believe that oftentimes, like as I get ready to speak, God will give me like a story or a picture of like, yeah, see, this is what I'm talking about. That's humility in action. And a couple of weeks ago, um, I was at the park and uh, over here on the east side of town at Dan Kenny Park, man. And I was, I was there with my kids and there was this dad there with his son who, um, he looked like he was in his, his early teens or um, you know, uh, middle school, upper elementary, it's hard to say, but he clearly had a, a physical disability. And here I am with my two-year-old and my four-year-old and I, there's gonna be a day where they outgrow this park. And I showed up and like 15 minutes, I'm good. I'm ready to go on to the next thing. Like, let's, let's keep it going. And I watched his dad, like just the patience he demonstrated with his son, the way that he served him, how he put him in the swing, how he buckled him in. And then I just watched him push his son over and over again. And I thought, man, how many trips to the park has this man been with his son? But in humility, he's clearly set aside the time, right? He could have selfish ambition and conceit and whatever else and push that to the side. But I just saw this picture of, of service. It's like, man, God, that's what I want my life to be like. I wanna serve other people. I wanna have the humility to look not only to my own interests, but also to the interests of others. I wanna serve others and say, hey, they're significant, they're worthy of being served. Because I don't wanna get to the end of my life and say it was all about me. I did it. I wanna get to the end of my life and, and you know, when I'm on my deathbed, I hope I would be able to say like, man, I'm so happy and filled up because I look to other people. And there's no better time to start doing that than the present. And the real starting point of humility for every single one of us is this. This is the starting point of humility, is our recognition that we are sinful people in need of a savior. And God already knows that. He already knows all our mistakes, our flaws, our failures. And yet he welcomes us in and he says, hey, I know, I know what's happened but I love you so much that I sent my son to die on a cross for you, to serve you. That the starting point of humility is entering into a relationship with Jesus. Scripture makes it as simple as everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And we have to get to a point in our lives where we have the humility to recognize our need for a savior and a need for forgiveness to understand our sin debt and understand we can't do that on our own. That's the starting point of humility. And once that happens, we rely on the power of the Holy Spirit and the example of Christ to demonstrate that outwardly to other people. I wanna ask you to bow your heads. I wanna ask you, are you in here tonight? And you'd say, man, I don't, I don't have a relationship with Jesus. I've never humbled myself and you know, maybe just in humility right now, you'd raise your hand and say, you know what, God, I'm a sinner 
and I am in need of you. Maybe in humility, you just raise your hand and say, I want a relationship with Jesus. If that's you, I'm gonna ask you to put your hand in the air, just in humility, raise your hand up, hold it there so we can pray for you. Just say, man, I, I need to humble myself today and admit I have a need for a savior. I wanna pray with you and for you. God, I pray for these people who have made a decision to humble themselves before you. We know that you honor that humility. God, we, we just come to you and admit it's you who we need. We need you to lead our lives and to show us the way. God, I pray for every person who's following you already in this room that as we go out, as we're commanded to, and we realize that church isn't four walls, but it's that we go and we share that in humility we would serve other people and that they would see us as a light in darkness because of the way that we serve. God, it's in your name we pray, amen.